0: So, open our Bibles to, instead of Mark 16, I'd like you to turn to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, because of the nature of our study this morning. Um, if you're wondering why we're in chapter 16 instead of chapter 1, verse 1, you'll, you'll know in just a moment. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now you can turn back to um, Mark 16. This morning we begin the Gospel of Mark. So why were we in the last chapter instead of the first? And as we look at this, um, the reason... I chose this for our text this morning uh, because we're going to do a major sideline departure, rabbit trail if you will, and talk about um, what we just read, that all scripture um, is inspired and all scripture comes directly from the Lord. Um, The critics, and there are many when it comes to the last chapter of Mark 16, especially the last uh, 12 verses, uh, I'll bring this up later. Um, there are many Bible teachers are commentators uh, that do not believe the last 12 verses of uh, Mark 16 should be there uh, simply because they do not occur in some of the later translations. And um, therefore, uh, I've chosen this for our text this morning because the point of our Bible study this morning is gonna be quite a bit different uh, than something we've ever, ever done here before at Calvary. And um, I'm glad I learned a lot from the first service, and so I was able to make some adjustments because there's gonna be things you've never, some of you have never heard before, and yet some of you will be maybe quite familiar with um, the work of Mr. Dr. Ivan Panin. But before we Get into that. Somebody came up to me and chided me for not reading uh, verse nine in Mary Magdalene. So I'm going to read verse nine. I said, "I'll get I'll get even with you. I'm going to read it at the beginning of the next second service." So Mark 16. Now, when he rose early in the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And all I want you to do is remember the number seven. I'm going to make, it's going to be one of the main points of our message this morning. As we look at Mark's gospel, um, it's really not Mark's gospel. Uh, It is Simon Peter's gospel, given to Mark who penned it. So yes, Mark penned it, but it was handed down, and uh, this is really Peter's gospel, Uh, The Gospel of Mark is chronologically the first gospel that was written. It was actually one of the first books written in the New Testament. Not not the first, but one of the first. It was probably written from Rome prior uh, to 63 AD. Uh, This man, Mark, was one of the writers of the New Testament who was not actually an apostle. Matthew was an apostle, of course, so was John. Luke, however, was a very close friend of Paul the Apostle. Mark's full name is John Mark. John was his Jewish name, while Mark was his Latin name. Turn with me to Acts chapter twelve, and what we find is Peter. In his chapter, um, chapter yes, chapter twelve, Herod has killed James. He has got Peter in prison, and while he's chained up in prison, an angel shows up, and his. Chains fall off by themselves. And uh, the angel tells him to get up, get your sandals on, we're leaving. They walk past two guard posts. The gates are closed and locked, but they open by themselves. And we read in verse 12, so when he had considered this, uh, he came to the house of Mary. All of a sudden, um, Peter's saying, this isn't a dream, this is really happening. He's outside the prison. And so he goes to the house of Mary, uh, the mother of John, whose her name was Mark. So here's where we know that the author, whose name is Mark, his real name is John Mark, where many were gathered together praying. What were they praying for? That Peter wouldn't get killed and that uh, he'd get out of prison. And so Peter knocks on the door of the prayer meeting. A girl named Rhoda came to answer him, and she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran and announced that Peter stood before them at the gate. But they said to her, you're beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so, so they said, oh it's just this angel. So Peter continued knocking and knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him, and they were astonished. There was a lot of faith going on in that prayer meeting. <laughs> and um, uh, so here we I come here only to show you that um, his name is John Mark. And if you look at chapter 13, verse 5, we find that he is on, uh, he joins Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. So that's Acts 13, verse 5. And when they arrived in Somalis, Uh, They preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John. Now, this is not the apostle. This is John Mark as their assistant. Now turn over to Acts 15, verse 36 through 41. And we find um, that Barnabas and Paul have words because of John Mark. So let's pick it up in verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we've preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. This would be Uncle Barnabas to Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take him, the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had gone and not gone with them to the work and the contention became so sharp that they departed from one another and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and departed being commended by the brethren by the grace of God and he went through Syria Cilicia strengthening the churches now turn with me to back to second timothy for this time, and this has a happy ending, as far as the relationship with with Paul, this would be considered uh, one of the last prison epistles. Uh, He's in prison at the time, and uh, we we find a reunion here, and um, him talking about John Mark, so 2 Timothy 4, Um, he knows that his time is short. Verse six says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. And uh, in verse nine, he talks about things that he wants brought to him. He says, be diligent to come to be quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, the Cretans for Galatia, and Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And then he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. And so evidently, they patch things up, and uh, John, Mark, and Paul are once again co-laborers for the Lord. Now as we look at Mark, um, it's the shortest of the four Gospels, it's uh, brief, to the point. Um, there's a, not a lot of verbiage concerning um, uh, the genealogy. There is no genealogy in Mark. Uh, no record of uh, his birth. That's not recorded in Mark. Um, the reoccurring word, and it's interesting that the word and, and, occurs more than any other word in the gospel, 1,331 times. Also, the word immediately, that occurs 42 times. Now, seven times six is 42. And you say, why are you telling me seven times six is 42? And the answer is, you're going to find out very shortly. Okay, there's 18 miracles that are recorded here. Like I said, Mark is the shortest of the gospels. And really, it's, it's really Peters. Now the reason I, I picked again um, Mark 16 is because they, there are those who claim that the last 12 verses are a forgery. It should not be in the canon of Scripture. Of, of scripture. Um, and it's for this reason that I chose this text. And I want to, but to say next, I want you to listen very carefully. The rest of our study... This morning is going to be like what I've never done, quite like before. I will prove that only God himself wrote the 66 books of what we call the Bible. Can I say that again? I am going to prove beyond any shadow of any doubt that only God had written every word in this book. Where we started in 2 Timothy 3:16, and it says, "All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for, correcting, for correction and instruction and in righteousness." For taking notes, you might want to jot down 2 Peter 1 verse 21. It says, "For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit." The Bible was penned over a 1,500-year period of time by 40 different authors. Yet, the marvel of what we're about, for some of you, you'll be hearing us for the first time. And the first service, for the first five minutes, nobody was getting it because they weren't familiar with the, what the term gametria is, nor Dr. Ivan Panin. But after we got going, the light bulb started going on, and they saw the enormity and the complexity of the book that you're holding in your lap this morning. I'd like to put a picture of a man up on a screen. His name is Dr. Ivan Panin, and I'm going to encourage you before you go home today to write this man's name down, and I want you to do your own homework because when I say I'm only gonna scratch the subject of his work, um, once I get into it, I'll explain the enormity of his work. But he was born in 1856 in Russia. He came to America. After graduating from Harvard, uh, he became a born-again Christian. Dr. Panin is fluent in many languages, but primarily Hebrew and Greek. To say the least, he is a mathematical genius. When he got saved and started reading uh, the, the scriptures in the original Hebrew and Greek, he stopped because he's a mathematician. He began to discover certain patterns and the more that he dove into his research, it so captivated him by what he was discovering, he spent the next 50 years of his life dedicated to um, the research in what we call gametria. Um, He has 43,000 pages of research over this 50-year period of time. Many times in my research studying about this man spending 18 hours a day. He's completely obsessed with what he was discovering. In the original Hebrew and in the original Greek, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. But each one of those letters has a numerical value associated with it. Every 22 letters has a different uh, numerical number added to it. Then in the Greek, they have 24 letters they also have a numerical value that I'm actually going to tell you what they are. I lost. I, I couldn't find notes on the ones on the Hebrews, but the one in Greek, I'll actually tell you exactly what the numbers represent. Now, um, he was challenged uh, by um, the uh, the New York. Uh, a paper, and I'll read that in just uh, a moment here. <clears throat> um, he's primarily going to deal with, and will primarily deal with the number seven this morning. There are many numbers that uh, significantly repeat themselves in the scriptures. For example, four hundred ninety is one of them. Um, Seventy is another number that's repetitive. Um, Forty. Is repetitive. 40 days, Moses up on a mountain, Jesus was tempted 40 days, so on and so forth. And there is a pattern that seems to emerge. But what beats them all is the number seven. And um, uh, the number seven uh, is the number of completion. We have, what, seven days in a week. We start over and it's Monday. Um, if you're into music, there's seven notes on a scale, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, seven, start over again with do. Um, seven primary colors in a rainbow. In the book of Revelation, John's told to write seven letters to seven churches. There are seven angels. There are seven sealed judgments. There are seven trumpet judgments. And there's seven bowl judgments. And so we do find um, uh, numerology in the Bible, but not to the degree that I'm going to share it with you this morning. I learned from the first service, we're going to put, try to put most of what I'm going to share up on the screen. And I've greatly edited it down because um, <laughs> I, I won't be able to explain it until I get into it. Are you ready? Okay, this is um, the New York Sun ragging on Christianity. It said, for some months preceding Sunday, November 19th, 1899, the New York Sun had been devoting the better part of a page of its Sunday edition to the discussion of the truth of Christianity. On that date, it printed a letter from 1WRL, and I don't know who that is, in which he denounced Christianity using the old, oft-refuted arguments and alleged some champion of orthodoxy to come into the arena of the sun and give its readers some facts in defense of the Christian religion. The writer, being Dr. Ivan Panin, had not seen the New York Sun for years, but on his way from South Farmington to Grafton, Massachusetts, a copy of the sun of that date left on a vacant seat in the train, fell into his hands, and the following letter met That challenge. The letter was reprinted by the writer himself in a pamphlet of some 50 pages with the Greek text of simply Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 to 17. And the vocabulary thereto enabling the scholarly reader to verify his statement for himself. So let me just explain what I just said. He takes 17 verses and he through biblical numerology that we call Gamma he comes up with 50 pages of notes for 17 verses. I went online um, a couple days ago and downloaded um, The Inspiration of Scriptures by Dr. Ivan Panin. It was over 40 pages long. I have here maybe four or five for Matthew and then a couple for from Genesis one. So I can only deal with two scriptures. One of them is gonna be Genesis one, verse one, and then we're gonna start with Matthew chapter one, and we're gonna do a study in biblical numerology, and you'll get a feel for it, hopefully, uh, as soon as we dive in here. So here's, here's, first of all, his response to the newspaper. Sir, in today's sun, Mr. WRL calls for a champion of orthodoxy to step into the arena of the sun and give some facts. Well, here are some facts. The first 17 verses, by the way, let's turn to Matthew chapter 1. And here we have the genealogy. I primarily want to draw your attention to verse 17. The first 17 verses of the New Testament contain the genealogy of Christ. It contains, it consists of two main parts. Verses one through 11 covers the period from Abraham, the father of the chosen people, to the captivity when they are uh, ceased as an independent people. Verses 12 through 17 cover the period from the captivity to the promised deliverer, the Christ. So let's look at verse 17. And we have, so all the generations of Abraham to David are 14 generations. And David until the captivity uh, to Babylon are 14 generations. And the captivity until the Christ are 14 generations. We have 14 three times. And um, uh, 14 is seven times two. And this is where Tria and our study is going to begin. So, in the, let's examine the first part of the genealogy. It's for, by the way, this is only this only works in Hebrew in the New Testament in Greek, and it'll only work in Hebrew for the Old Testament. What we're about to get into, and it only works, I should say, with the 66 books in the Bible. <clears throat> if you add any other books like they do in Roman Catholicism like the book of 1st and 2nd Maccabees and so on and so forth. It doesn't, um, it doesn't fit into Dr. Pattern's um, mathematical equations here. So, <clears throat> follow along if you can. It took me a while the first time I read this, but once I got it, it totally blew my mind away. And its vocabulary it has 49 words, or seven times seven. The number is itself seven. Sevens, and the sum of its factors is two sevens. Of these 49 words, 28 or four times seven begins with a vowel. 21 or three sevens begin with a consonant. Now let me just stop. Can you see where I'm going with this? We're talking vowels divisible by seven. Consonants divisible by seven. The number of words in the Hebrew counted up, add them up, divisible by seven. Um, Pronouns, adjectives, whatever it is, if it's written, there's a pattern that emerges that all of them will be divisible by seven. Again, these 49 words of the vocabulary have 266 letters or two times 7 times 2 times 19. This number itself, 38 sevens. And the sum of its factor is 28 or 4 sevens. While the sum of its figures is 14 or 2 sevens, of these 266 letters, moreover, 140 or twenty sevens are vowels, 126 or 18 sevens are consonants. This is to say, just as the number of words in vocabulary is a multiple of seven, so is the number of its letters a multiple of seven. Just as the sum of the factors of the numbers of the words is a multiple of seven, so is the sum of the factors of the numbers of these letters a multiple of seven. And just as the number of words is divided between vowel words and consonants words by seven, so... Is their number of letters divided between vowels and continents by seven. Again, of these forty nine words, thirty-five or five sevens occurs more than once in the passage, and fourteen or two sevens occur but once. Seven occurs in more than one form, and forty two or six sevens occur um, in in uh, only one form, and among the part of speech, the 49 words are thus divided. 42 or six sevens are nouns, seven are not nouns, Uh, Of the nouns 35 or five seven are proper names, seven are common nouns, of the proper names, 28 and male ancestors of Christ, and seven are not. Are you beginning to catch this, what's going on here? I mean, um, 25 or 6 to 4 is not going to work in this equation. Okay, only you old musicians got that one. I stole it from those that are making jokes in the back. And, and I, I told them I'm going to use that in the second service. Okay, um, next page. Remember now, this is just the first 17 verses of... of um, of uh, Matthew Moreover Next on the screen Moreover these 49 words are Distributed alphabetically Thus words under I apologize because we couldn't get The letters up here um, What they would we, we do have them down here uh, In the Greek uh, Our 21 numbers Or three sevens The Whatever the letter is To the next letter 14 or two sevens Next one, also 14, no other group of sevens stopping at the end of a letter are made by these 49 words. The groups of sevens stop with these letters and no other but the letters. And then it has these letters, are letters 1, 5, 6, 10, 12, 22 of the Greek alphabet. And the sum of these numbers called their place value is 56 or eight sevens. The enumeration of the numeric phenomena of these two verses does not begin to be exhaustive, but enough has been shown to make it clear that this part of the genealogy is constructed on an elaborate design of sevens. Then he says, let us now turn to the genealogy as a whole. I will not weary you readers with recounting all the numeric phenomena thereof. Pages alone would exhaust them. I will point out only one feature. The New Testament is written in Greek. The Greek had no separate symbols for expressing numbers corresponding to our Arabic figures, but used instead the letters of their alphabet, just as the Hebrews in whose tongue the Old Testament is written, written, made use for the same purpose of theirs. So here we go. Accordingly, there are 24 letters stand for the following numbers. So starting with, like you would say, A, that would be one. B would be two. But of course, I'm in English now and not in Greek. And so it goes three, four, five, six five. Six is missing. Seven, eight, nine, ten. and it goes jumps to 10s, to 20, to 30, to 40, to 50, to 60, 70, 80, doesn't have 90, uh, then to 100, uh, then uh, a letter, uh, it's numerical value, one letter be 200, another one 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800. Every Greek word is thus a sum in arithmetic obtained by adding the numbers for which its letters stand, or their numeric value. So in other words, you could take a word and count up the letters, look what the numerical value would be, do the math, and then you'd have the numerical value for that one word. Are you with me? Most people are nodding in their head. That's good. Some are wondering what the Packer score is gonna be. Seven to seven? Just kidding. Now the vocabulary to the entire genealogy has 72 words. If we write its numerical value over such each of these 72 words and add them, we get for their sum 42,364. Now we have uh, a clearer picture here of, of the, the Greek letters. Um, the first set has uh, um, 9,821 or fourteen hundred and three sevens, the next series of letters, uh, the mathematical value is nineteen hundred and four or two hundred and seventy two sevens. The next series is three thousand seven hundred and three or five hundred and twenty nine sevens. The next set is nineteen thousand two hundred and sixty four or two thousand seven hundred and fifty two sevens and the last set of letters. Uh, 7,672 or 1,096 sevens, but the numerical value of the ten letters used for making these groups is 931 or 7 times 7 times 19, a multiple not only of seven but of seven sevens. Then he gets a little sarcastic here with the, the the writer of the article in the paper. Uh, Let Mr. W.R.L. try to write some 300 words intelligently like this genealogy and reproduce some numeric phenomena of, of like degree. If he does it in six months, he will indeed do a wonder. Let us assume that Matthew accomplished this feat in one month. The second part of the chapter, verses 18 to 25, relates the birth of Christ. It consists of 161 words or 23 sevens occurring in 105 forms, or 15 sevens, with a vocabulary of 77 words, or 11 sevens. Joseph is spoken of here by the angel. Accordingly, of the 77 words the angel uses, 28, or four sevens, and of the 105 forms he uses, 35, or five sevens, the numerical value of the vocabulary is 52,605 or 7,515 sevens of the forms 65,429 or 9,347 sevens. Whew. This enumeration only begins as it were, were to barely scratch the surface of the numerics of this passage. Remember he said he had 50 pages of it? But what is especially noteworthy here is the fact that the angel's speech has also a scheme of seven, making it kind of a ring within a ring, a wheel within a wheel. And if Mr. L can write a similar passage of 161 words with the same scheme of seven alone, now in parentheses, though there are several others here, in some three years, he would accomplish a still a greater wonder. Let's assume that Matthew accomplished this feat in only six months. The second chapter of Matthew tells us of the childhood of Christ. Its vocabulary has 161 words, or 23 sevens. It has 896 letters, or 128 sevens And 238 forms or 34 sevens. The numeric value of the vocabulary is 123,529 or 17,647 sevens. Of the forms, 166,985 or 23,855 sevens, and so on through passages of enumeration. This chapter. has at least four logical divisions. Each division shows alone the same phenomena found in the chapter as the whole. Thus, the first six verses have a vocabulary of 56 words or eight sevens, etc. There are some speeches here. Herod speaks, the Magi speaks, the angel speaks. But so pronounced are the numerical phenomena here that though they are as it were numerous rings within rings and wheels within wheels, each is perfect in itself, though forming all the while only part of the rest. If Mr. L can write a chapter like this, as naturally as Matthew writes, but continuing in some 500 words, uh, so many intertwined yet harmonious numeric, numeric features, It says, the rest of his days, whatever his age is now, uh, or the one to which he is to attain, if he thus accomplishes it at all, it would indeed be a marvel. Let's just assume that Matthew accomplished his feat in only three years. This is not, however, a single paragraph of the scores in Matthew that is not constructed in exactly the same manner. Only with each additional paragraph, the difficulty of constructing it increases not in arithmetic, but in geometrical progression, for he contrives to write his paragraphs so as to develop constantly fixing numeric relations to what goes before and after. Thus, in this last chapter, he contrives to use just seven words not used by him before. It would thus be easy to show that Mr. L would require some centuries to write a book, like Matthew. How long it took Matthew, the writer does not know. But how he could contrive to do it between the crucifixion in 30 AD and the gospel would not uh, have been written earlier and the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, and the gospel could not have been written later, let Mr. L and his like-minded friends explain. Anyhow, how Matthew did it, and thus we have a miracle, an unheard of um, literary mathematical artist, unequaled, hardly even conceivable, This is the first fact for Mr. L to contemplate. If I'm Mr. L, my head is spinning. Now, a second fact, yet more important, is the very first section, the genealogy, uh, discussed above. The words found nowhere else in the New Testament occurs 42 times, or seven times six. It has 126 letters, or seven times six times three. Each number, a multiple not only of seven, but of six sevens. To name only two of the many numeric features of these words, but how did Matthew know when designing this scheme for these words, whose sole characteristic is that they were found nowhere else in the New Testament, uh, that they would now not be found in the other 26 books? that they would not be used by the other seven New Testament writers unless we assume the impossible hypothesis that he had an agreement with them to the effect he must have had the rest of the New Testament before him when he wrote his book. The Gospel of Matthew then was written last. It so happens, however, that the Gospel of Mark shows the very same phenomena, Thus the very passage called so triumphantly in today's sons a forgery, the last 12 verses of Mark. So this is why I chose Mark 16 for our text, They calling that a forgery, those last 12 verses. However, um, the last 12 verses of Mark present some, among some 60 features of sevens, the following phenomena. It has 175 words, or 25 sevens. A vocabulary of 98 words, or two sevens of sevens, with 553 letters, or 79 sevens. 133 forms, or 19 sevens, and so on to the minutest detail. Mark, then, is another miracle. Another unparalleled literary genius. And in the same way in which it was shown that Matthew wrote last, it is also shown that Mark, Two wrote last. You both can't write last. <laughs> Thus, to take an example from this very passage, it has just one word found nowhere else in the New Testament, the Greek word not reproduced here, deadly. This, this fact is signaled by no less than seven figures of sevens. Thus, its numerical value is 581 or 83 sevens with the sum of its figure fourteen or two sevens, of which the letters three, five, seven, nine from the beginning of the word, have four hundred and ninety, or seven times seven times five times two, a multiple of seven sevens, with the sum of its factor twenty-one or three sevens. In the vocabulary it is preceded by forty-two words, seven times six and the passage itself by 126 words, or seven times six times three. Both numbers, multitudes, not only of seven, but of six sevens. We have thus established before us this third fact for Mr. L to contemplate. Matthew surely wrote after Mark, and Mark just as surely wrote after Matthew. It happens, however, to be a fourth fact, that Luke presents the same phenomena as Matthew and Mark. And so does John, and James, and Peter, and Jude, and Paul. And we have thus no longer two great unheard of mathematical literary, but eight of them, and each one wrote after the other. And not only this, as Luke and Paul wrote each two books, John five, Paul 14, it can in the same way be shown that each of the 27 New Testament books was written last. In fact, not a page of the over 500, and he he, he quotes um, Westcott and Hork Greek edition here, uh, which the writer has used throughout, but it can be demonstrated thus to have been written last. The phenomena are there and there's no human way of explaining them. Eight men cannot each, each write last. 27 books, some 500 pages, cannot each be written last, but once assume, but once assume that one mind directed the whole, and the problem is solved, simple enough. But this is verbal inspiration of every jot and tittle of the New Testament. What we've just gone through, I've edited way down my notes from just Matthew 1 and the first 17 verses. I want to use one, a shorter example, from the Old Testament because I wanted to show that, um, well, just turn to Genesis chapter 1. And we're just going to look at one verse in Genesis chapter 1. And that one verse is, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now we've switched from the Greek and we're going into the Hebrew. This verse, Genesis 1 verse 1, has seven words with 28 letters or four sevens, of which the first three words, the subject and the predicate of the sentence have fourteen, with a place value of a hundred and forty or twenty sevens. The last four, the two objects of the set of the sentence, another division of seven into three and four, produce the following: the three leading words, God, the heavens, and the earth, have fourteen. The remaining four have also fourteen. Of two events with 924 for the value or 132 sevens. Feature 7 Divided thus the place value has 100. And, I read that um, the place value has 147 or three sevens of sevens. Feature 8 and the numerical value has 777 an interesting number itself or 111 sevens of which the units have have seven. The tens, the ten sevens, and the hundreds have seven. The middle word, the shortest, has seven letters, with its right-hand neighbor, and seven with its left-hand neighbor. So the middle has seven, and the words on both sides have seven. This enumeration, it is no wise exhaustive, catch this, but the chance of these two sevens of feature of sevens being accidental or accidentally uh, undesigned is already only one in seven multiplied by itself 14 times or nearly seven hundred thousand million. An elaborate design of sevens, thus running through the seven words of the first verse of the Bible. Now this is Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created. And believe me, I've cut a lot of notes out of, of this. So I just have one more page here to go through. The number of letters, 28, is four times seven. A multiple of four as well as of seven. Um, divides thus. The first four words have 16 or four fours. The last three have 12 or three fours. The same division into 16 and 12 is formed thus. The first two and the last two words, the outer four, have 16 or four fours. Feature six. The three between have 12 or three fours. The same division is for the third type formed thus. The first, last, and middle words have 12 or three fours. The remaining four have 16 or four. uh, Features the number of letters in the seven words. They are two, three, three, four, five, five, and six. Four are duplicates, three, three, and five, five. Uh, The sum is 16 of the four fours, leaving 12 for the others or three fours. The duplicates are the odd numbers. Those in the odd places, two, three, five, six, have also 16 or four fours. The even places have 12 or three fours. The largest and smallest numbers have eight or two fours and the others have 50 or five fours. Now, the chance of these 16 features of four to be here undesigned is less than one in 3,600,000,000. An elaborate design of fours as well of several runs through seven words of Genesis 1, 1 is your mind blown yet? We're just in one verse in Genesis 1-1. All right, this is, this is the, the final, this, what we have up next is our final part of Genesis 1-1. The numerical value of Genesis 1-1 is 2,701 or 37 times 73. The combination of 37 with its reverse 73 divides us. Words 1 through 5, the value of 1998, or 37 times 18 times 3. Words 6 through 7 have 703, or 37 times 19. The division is by 37, and a sum of the featured figures of 1998 times 703 is 37, and the number 703 is in turn divided thus. Word 6 has a value of 407 or 37 times 11. Word seven has a numerical value of 296, or 37 times two times two times two. Of the last division, it is to be noted that the sum of the figures of the factors is 28 or four sevens, and that of the figures of 407 times 296 is also 28 or four sevens. The leading nouns, God, the heavens, and the earth, have 777 or 21 37s. The other words have a numerical value of 1924 or 52 37s, and the sum of the figures, 777 and 1924 is 37. Of the 777, God, the heavens, have 481 or 37 times 13, and the earth has a, Value of 296, or 37 times 8. Oh man. The words with the largest and smallest numeric value, 913 and 86, have 999, or 37 times 3 times 3 times 3, and the other have 7102, or 37 times 2 times 23. With the sum of the figures 999 and 1702, also 37, the sum of the figures, their factors, is 36, itself six by six, by a neighbor of both 37 and 35, five sevens featured. Again, words five through six, from their numeric value 802, the neighbors of 803, or 1173, the reverse of 37, leaving for the other 1899, the neighbor of 1898, or 73 times 2 times 13. This division is by 73. But the sum of the figures of 802 and 1899 is 37, feature 11, again the seven numeric values of the words of Genesis 1-1, Arranged in their actual order 86, 203, 296, 395, 401, 407, 913. Their NOS 1 through 3 have 585 or 73 times 2 times 2 times 2 and 4 through 7 2116 or 73 times 20. Nine. This division is also by 73, but the sum of the figure of the factors are 585 and 216 is 37. I will stop and tell you at this time, I left four pages to continue on Genesis 1-1 back there. So when he says he's just scratching the surface, this is um, one verse, Genesis 1-1. As I wrap this up this morning, I want to go back to Matthew chapter 16. What, is, what we're doing this morning is we're just getting over a prophecy conference. Most of the conference was about how in trouble the church is today and why. And the major contributing factor is people no longer teach the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse. They've exchanged it with programs. People have stopped going. Um, A lot of people now, because um, basically they're really not getting fed. Um, The reason I chose this text here this morning is because yesterday in men's prayer, we go around and we pray for everybody. One guy's witnessing to one of his guys at work. He says, I don't I don't want I don't want to hear it. You know, the Bible. Who's who's gonna who's gonna believe the Bible? It's written by a man and it's it's a fallacy. And I said, I'm glad you said that this morning because this is what I'm talking about tomorrow. I want to leave you with one thought. I want you also to take a note and I'm gonna give you a challenge. I want you to write down because what I just shared with you is overwhelming. Let everybody agree. And no way could we follow everything that was being said. I want you to be a brean. I would like you to write the name of Dr. Ivan Pannon down. And I want you to do your own homework. And then I'm going to take it a step farther. Every person here knows somebody who doesn't want anything to do with Christianity because this book was written by man. When I found this out. I wrote down the name of every friend, this would have been in the early 70s. I wrote down the name of every one of my friends and I downloaded Dr. Ivan Pannon complete um, work, at least the 43 pages of it, and, and set it out to them. And I triple dog Daria to read this and prove it wrong, just like Dr. Ivan Panin did to the guy at the New York Suns. You want facts? I can give you facts. I can give you more facts than you'll ever want to hear in your life. And I'll just use Genesis 1.1 1, 1, and that will overwhelm you. And then I'll just use Matthew 1 just through the genealogy. That will overwhelm you. But here's the thing. My wedding ring says, I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. It's in Hebrew. Now in Hebrew, um, they have the letters, they have a little jot and a tittle. And if you remove a jot, it complete, completely changes the meaning of that, of that letter. If you leave the tittle there, then the, the, it remains intact. But it completely changes what you're saying. Jesus said this book would, would uh, be fulfilled to every jot and every tittle. So when you start with Genesis 1, and you follow it through to the last verse in Malachi, which is all in Hebrew, gang, you can't take out one letter. You can't take out one jot or one tittle. That's how incredibly detailed this book is. I thought the whole argument for evolution and creation should have been over with just using common sense when they found DNA. They're cracking a case right now because they found a piece of DNA from 20 years ago and they finally found the match. Somebody they had let go and released, but now they got the DNA evidence. The information in one strand of DNA is so complex it would take a library that would go 500 miles above the earth if you stacked up the information in one strand of DNA. Did you hear what I just said? Be a Berean, prove me wrong. I mean, that should end if you have common sense that there's no way that you evolved from a monkey. That's crazy. and That you mutated off of some red rock, as Rush Miller was talking to us about during the um, um, uh, prophecy conference. Some guy said, well, you believe um, that you Christians uh, believe that God created you. And he looked back at him and he says, well, you believe that you developed off of a wet, a wet rock. <laughs> Which one makes more sense? One jot or one tittle? My challenge is you all have friends who are not Christians because they poo-poo this book. And with just a little bit of information that, that I'm trying to get across this morning, it's impossible for man to have anything to do with this book and that when he says heaven and earth will pass away but not this book and for the countless ages to come that's eternity he's going to be revealing his mysteries from what's really in this book. After men's prayer yesterday somebody came up and said is this like the Bible code thing and I said am I glad you said that because I want to make something perfectly clear here. Gamma The study of Dr. Ivan Patton's work in biblical numerology is not to be equated with the Bible code. There's books out there that go beyond what we just taught here this morning. And that I would give no credibility to whatsoever. On the other hand, I'm challenging you, just like he was so confident when he wrote back, he says, I will give $100,000 to anybody who will prove me wrong. Now, if I'm back in the 1800s and somebody's offered me 100 100 grand, I'm doing it just for the money to come up with it. Nobody ever picked it up. Some people got sarcastic, and as people will get sarcastic, but they really don't have an argument. But the majority said absolutely nothing. They kept their mouth shut because it cannot be refuted. Probably a good place to end and a good place to say amen. We'll stand and we'll pray. Lord, we're overwhelmed with um, all the information that we've taken in this morning. And yet, Lord, we don't want to miss the heart of the matter. Yes, we see evidence of design in an unbelievable and incredible way. And we we stand in awe, Lord, at your greatness and the type of mind, the omniscient, all-knowing mind that you put together this book. Lord, help us uh, as we begin our new week, um, value the things that you value. As we were saying earlier, Lord, love the things that you love and hate the things that you hate. And Lord, give us a boldness to challenge our unbelieving friends when they challenge your word. And we thank you for the ammunition. And I thank you for Dr. Ivan Panin and his pouring his entire life into this work. And I pray his rewards would be great in heaven. Thank you for your study this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. All God's people said, Amen.